Good morning. I don't know why I said good morning. I said good morning at half ten, so but hi, hi again. <laughs> it's me again. <laughs> so, okay. Where are we this morning? Let's have a looky here, see, shall we? Right. So. Let's see what God's going to do with this then, shall we? You ready? I have no idea how it's going to go. I was doing this sermon, having not slept for quite a while, and uh, have no idea whether what I wrote at Gone Midnight last night actually made sense. So we'll find out together, won't we? It's an ex- it's a journey together. So, but I'm excited anyway because you know something because God is definitely going to speak somewhere this morning. Amen. Okay, so will you please turn your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel? Now we're going to go back and forth a little bit in Ezekiel this morning. Um, Just in the first two or three chapters. Mainly between chapter two and chapter three. We're going to stay there this morning. So we'll just see. So Ezekiel 3 verse 10, we'll start with this very quickly. And he said to me, Son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Listen carefully, number one. Take to heart, number two. Of the words that I speak to you. Three elements there. Listen carefully. Take to heart my word. Amen. Now we're we're not going to stay there. We're going to move on. But we're going to come through that. And that's going to be a running running theme for this morning. Last week we looked at how, just for those of you who weren't here, we looked at how the modern church focuses on the individual and how what that does is that causes us to struggle to conceive and capture the word that God is bringing to the house as a whole because it's all about my will, my needs, my healing rather than seek first the kingdom of God. This is the modern day culture we find ourselves in. And the more and more I listen to millennial preachers, the more and more I listen to um, God TV, the more and more I listen to everything, it's all about your prosperity, meeting your needs, your healing, your prophecy, your this, your that. It's all about you. It's never about him. It's all about you. It's all about the individual. It's never about the corporate body. And when you have a, when you have a house that is, that is full of individuals... Not a, not a house that is, is, is thinking as a body, but a house that is thinking as individuals, then that's why we struggle to get a people movement. Because unless the individual makes a choice, the corporate can never move forward. A corporate is when we all agree, and then we all agree on an action to move forward. But, 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 if before, but before a corporate decision to be made, it has to first be founded in the individual. Amen? In order for this change, there must be a renewing of the mind, Romans 12, so we can understand his will. It didn't say that we can understand my will. It understands his 
perfect, pleasing and good will. And we said last week that, think of the jigsaw puzzle. You've got a thousand piece or a five thousand piece or a billion piece jigsaw puzzle. Because we're, 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 we're a big population. And the framework, they always say, start at the frames, get the framework so we all know where we're working to. You know your borderlines, you know the, ba- the basis. Because our will does not have context unless we put it into the will that God has called us all to. Unless we understand the will of the house, unless we understand the assignment of the house, the God-given house to you. So it's not just that you come to a church. If I go to a church and I don't like the preaching and I go, it's okay, I'll go somewhere else where I do like the church. I do like the preaching a bit better. You're never attached to, to the work of the kingdom. You're only ever seeking things that make you feel good. You're only ever seeking those things that enable you to feel blessed. It is a bless me culture. And we heard also last week that God is announcing his word. So that let us hear what he is saying today. I want to speak this morning about some of the dynamics that take place within us that create barriers from conceiving fully the word in season and therefore us personally. So we'll see how we get on with that, okay? So we'll go back to what we said last week. Ezekiel chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. Ezekiel chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 says... And he said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. First point. God is looking for a people who are in a state of readiness. So that when he calls for our attention, immediately we are able to change our position and give full focus to what he is saying. He's looking for a people who are ready. There's a state of readiness. It's not that you're asleep, it's that you're already ready. So that the moment we hear he says, stand up. That's the first thing he says, son of man, stand up. You see, those, who spend, those people who spend time in his presence are the ones who know the sound of his voice. You see, God can be speaking, but if you don't recognize the voice that he's speaking, you can be doing a Samuel, and God's calling out to him, and he's going talking to Eli. He didn't recognize the voice that was speaking. But who are the people who are able to adjust their feet quickly? Who are the people who are able to do that? It's those who spend time in his presence. Because when you spend time in his presence, you feel when God is about to speak. You feel it. You don't just know it and hear it. You also feel it. There is a sense that God is doing something. There is a bubbling up in your spirit. There is, a, there is an awareness. You know like how they always say cows know when it's going to rain because they sit down, don't they? There's a, and there's, all, there's like a sense. They know when something's about to happen. There is a sense for those people who are close to his presence that you are able to know the voice. You are able to know the breath. You are able to know. Babies know when they are being held, they know the heartbeat of the mum. 
They just feel it. Last night, my son was not sleeping, which is the same thing he's been doing for a month. But one of the interesting things was, was that um, there is a familiar sound that there's a, there's a, we've got one of these expensive, um, it was given to us, these expensive sort of like uh, monitors that you can, it'll play classical music, it'll do all sorts. But one of the things that they do is they, they, they play the, 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 basically the heartbeat of a mum, like that, that you hear from the womb. So what you it would hear in the womb, they play that. It sounds like our dishwasher. When we're upstairs, it sounds like our dishwasher. So really, all I need to do is put my son in the dishwasher and he'll be all right. But actually, but just by, but, there is, but when you're in the womb, there are certain sounds, there is a certain sense, there is a presence that you are aware of and, and it brings a peace and an awareness to the baby and they know the difference. We must be a people that know the Father's voice and Pastor Tonya knows spoke about this um, this year. When we know his voice, we can quickly turn our attention because we recognise who is about to speak. You see, Ezekiel in this scripture was in the midst of a vision this was, the, this, was in the, this was in the pit where God is talking about the, the creatures with the four heads and the, four, and the two sets of wings each and one covered the body, one's connecting each other and they've got the four faces and then you've got, the, you've, got the, you've got the wheels with eyes on it and you've got all this kind of crazy stuff going on. God wasn't speaking, he was just seeing. He was aware. There was something that had got his attention he was, that was going on. And in the midst of all that was happening, God then said... Stand to your feet, because I'm going to speak to you. Now, so because he was already where he needed to be, he was able to respond. My question to you is, are you where you need to be in order to hear what God is saying? Are you where you need to be? If, the, if this morning was the only time you've encountered God's presence this week, it becomes difficult for you to know when God is trying to get your attention. Unless God, you know, we see the Bible's full of examples where God had to do crazy, go to crazy lengths to get people's attention. Why? Because they're a little bit, should we say, distant or a little bit too focused or a little bit distracted. And so when we come, if we are not a people who know his presence, and number and two, we are not a people who are comfortable in his presence. Because if all the time you're in his presence, you're squirming, I don't like it, this feels a bit uncomfortable, and you're, all your, you're spending all your time just thinking about how uncomfortable I feel, and I'm not sure what's going on, and I don't feel like it, and yeah, then, then your voice is still louder than, every voice, than the voice that needs to be heard. We have to be people who are comfortable in his presence. People who are at rest in his presence. That's why he says, come and rest. Come and feast. Come and rest. I can't, I mean, how many of you know you struggle to eat when you're stressed? Like, you know, when you're really, when you're really worried about something. How many of you know when, when something really, and I, and I see it in work. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a workplace where I've been with, there's, there's my, both of my managers, not now, but in my, in my previous branch, both of my managers lost huge amounts of weight when they went through a split up. Because when you're stressed and you're anxious and you're worried and all those kind of things, you, you lose your appetite. God wants us to feast. God wants us to feast in his presence. Yeah, I know some people do the opposite and they eat to, they come for eat. 
But there's a but when I'm worried, more, when, when there's a when they when you are generally stressed, you kind of you lose your appetite a bit. Or the majority of us, or should we say, a lot of us. The amount, the amount of ladies I know that, that, that I've got a size 8 figure because they've split up from someone is amazing. <laughs> it's, like, it's not something to be proud of, but it's, you know, um, it is a reality that I've seen a lot. I've been working with women most of my life. Um, I think I need to stand my stress before to get rid of this stomach. Um, but let me, let me ask you this. Imagine you're a teacher. Imagine you're a teacher. You're in a playground. Now, my primary school was like you had a concrete area and then you had the football field, so it's quite, it's quite big. Now you always imagine teachers never had microphones, did they, when they were in when they were in school? Teachers generally didn't need a microphone, but they had, they didn't have a microphone. So you know when it comes to that time where it's like, right, everyone line up. When you're in primary school, in our school, you had to line up. So it, so it's playtime's over. It wasn't a case of all just bombing to the classroom. It was everyone line up in your classes. So you line up in your class, everyone gets information, and then when you're told, you go and walk where, you, where, you, where you're told you have to go, right? Yeah? Now, you've always got the kids who are playing right near the teacher. The kids that are playing right near the teacher are the ones who go, oh, I can't pretend I didn't hear that. They try, but you can't pretend you didn't hear it. So they hear, they go, right, miss, and they, and they stand there. But then you had me playing football, and I'm playing the World Cup. This is it. This is this is. I mean, I have to make sure that my team wins. My five-a-side teams. I'm not listening to what the teacher's saying because I'm concentrating on what I'm doing. That teacher then has to proper scream at me to fight to get my attention, because I'm so I'm so consumed with what I'm doing. Teacher can't get hold of me, and then they have to really scream. And it's very much like that in the church, and it doesn't matter what row you sit on. Just because you're on the front row, no, no, don't, no, I'm not looking at you guys here, but just because you're on the front row don't mean you're paying attention. Just because you're on the back row doesn't mean you're not paying attention. People on the back row are going, yeah. <laughs> but it is not, but I love the, the fact that this, when it said about stand to your feet, this is two things. Son of man, listen carefully and take, no, that's the wrong one. Next one, sorry. Where have we gone now? I really should have made bold my scriptures, shouldn't I? Son of man, stand upon your feet and I will speak to you. And as he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. The Spirit of God has to come into you in order. It's the Spirit of God that hits you that brings you into alignment. It's the Spirit of God that has to go into you. But if you're away from the Spirit of God, you might hear the noise, but you're never standing to your feet to hear what God is saying. Because it's only when the Spirit of God... So he wasn't. So my position was like this. I didn't start on my feet. I was in the presence. I was doing whatever I was doing. He said, stand up to your feet and I'll speak to you. And as he said that, the Spirit of God came looking for me carrying that instruction to say, now come in and raise me up to my feet. It's not your strength that you stand to your feet, it's the Spirit of God that hits you and you stand to attention. Because there's something about when the Spirit of God has to hit you in order to bring your entire being to be, to be, to be focused on what God is about to say. And it's only at that point that it says, and I heard him speaking. Until the Spirit of God comes in, uh, we are never positioned to be able to hear what God is saying. I might hear words. 
I might hear noise. I might be in an environment, but I'm not hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying because I've not been brought to my feet in my spirit. It is the Spirit of God that must bring us to this place. And I feel because we spend so much time seeking the will, seeking the answers, seeking, we get caught up in our situations, we get caught up in many, many, many things. We don't have time for the presence of God. Our lives are too busy for the presence of God. And so it takes us a long time. You know, have you ever, have you ever been, have you ever, have you ever seen when, um, and you always see motorists when there's a car crash or something. And you can, see, you can see there's a commotion, but you don't know what's going on. That's generally what many of us have to, it has to get to before we actually pay attention. It's like, I'm just doing my thing. And it's not until I see 20 or 30 people starting to gather around, go, ooh, something's going on. And then we get nosy, don't we? We're getting, we're getting, we're getting ooh, what's going on over here? And then we go and have a look. But God is saying, if, you just, if, if every one of you are positioned correctly, and your heart is positioned correctly, then you will hear me the moment I speak. You will come, you will know how to stand up. The Spirit of God will bring you to that place and then you can actually hear what I'm trying to say to you. Because the thing is, you will hear what, it, what, what is being preached, but you will not hear what he's speaking to you. And this is the point I want to make, is that it's not about what God is, what is, what is being spoken here. It's what he might be speaking to us, but what is he speaking to you? Because it's what he speaks to you that creates the momentum for you to move to where he is. Ezekiel 2 verses 3 to 8. He, says, son, he said, son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or they fail, for these are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid. Their briars and thorns are all around you and live among the, and you live among scorpions. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like, like the rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. See, God Knowing he can't lie, rarely minces his words. God doesn't speak in, 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 in parcel tongue. He doesn't speak in Sanskrit. And if you go, what Sanskrit exactly? He doesn't speak in, in languages that we don't understand. He makes things clear. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. He brings the clarity that we need. Amen? But when he brings clear... He brings clear, and at the moment we know he is bringing a clear commission and instruction. But he will also give us an insight into the field that we are about to enter. 
And, I, and I'd say if you want an example, think about when Pastor Tony started speaking about Brexit, when God started talking to Pastor Tony, he brought his document. Did it not tell us that there would be challenges? Did he not say that we would have to pray this through? Did he not say that it's not going to be a simple case of let's just raise your hand on a Sunday morning and say, Lord, let Brexit be done in the way you want it to be done. And hey, presto, it's all done. Are we not in the midst of a battle? There, are, there is a battle on, does Brexit go forward? Does it not go forward? How does it go forward? When does it go forward? It's still there. And it's raging, and it's raging, and it's raging. And it's getting more intent by the minute. The selection is, is so poignant for, for so many reasons. So we know that when, when God speaks, he speaks clearly to what we need to do. But he also speaks clearly of the obstacles we will face. He speaks clearly to what and how we need to go about what we're doing. But there was this, this bit at the end that, I, that really kind of God went, okay, and I thought, am I, am, I, do I, am I allowed to say that, God? He went, well, just say it and see what happens. It says, do not rebel like these rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. See, that sounds so easy. Don't be rebellious. Open your mouth ah, and eat what I give you. But when we look at it in the context of the scripture, we see how easy it is for us to become a rebellious people. You see, what is being rebellious? Being rebellious is when, is when you fight against authority. When authority comes and speaks and you go, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. And we do the opposite, that's being rebellious. And so when God says this, in because we are focused on me, myself and I, because we are focused on many other things, which we'll go into in a, in a, in a minute, without realising it over time, you become a rebellious believer. Because God is making very clear what he wants us to do. He's, making, he's trying to make very clear to you what he's saying to you. But when you keep on finding reasons not to do it, you can do it in the most Christian nice way you want. But that still has a rebellious nature to it. And the reason why we have to be, why is saying take to heart what I am saying to you today? Because God is, make, is wanting us not to become a rebellious people. But if you are not careful, some of us right now, if you look back and say how many things God has spoken to you and how many things you haven't done, are you living a rebellious Christian life? It's a question we have to ask ourselves. If I look at what God has said and I look at how I live, am I being rebellious? Is there a rebellious nature inside me? Now, some of you, in the natural, I already know there is. Some of you are cheeky monkeys. And we all have a little bit of that. Some of us, we all at some point like to go, now, now I was always the kid that was, I was more afraid of getting in trouble than I was of being a rebel. So I kind of like was always, if someone's going to get caught, it's going to be me. I was that kid. I was always that kid going, I know I'll get caught. I know I'll get caught, so I just won't do it because I know I'll get caught. But some of us aren't quite like that. (laughs) But I feel this morning when God is saying, he's sending us to a rebellious people. At times, he's sending us to the lost, but he's also sending us to people who are living in direct contradiction to to how God is telling us to live. There are people who are actively pursuing a way opposite, but we still have to go to all people. 
God is in this scripture, God is saying that I am sending you to a nation who knows full well that they are not living how I, how, how I have told them to live. Generation after generation, there have been people who have spoken clearly God's word, but generation after generation, people are ignoring it. And so God knows that when he sends us out, it's not like every person you speak to goes, Jesus is real, let me come to church. It's not going to be as simple as, as that. Otherwise, we'd all be doing it by now and this church would be absolutely packed to the rafters and we'd be buying a new building. If it was that easy, wouldn't it? But when God sends us out, but, but this morning God is sending us out, but, it's, but it's, the, it's the what has to happen in you for that to take place. And it's the rebellious nature in you that must be dealt with if we are going to see God move powerfully in your life and in through this house. You see, when the word came to me about Joshua, you all know that God gave me a word and you're going to have a baby. Okay, I'm going to have a baby. That's cool. I like that. I want a baby. But what what most of you don't know is I fought that word internally for quite a long time. Let me explain. I became double-minded. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. I had understood what God said. That, that I would have a child. It would be in his timing, not mine. So I understood that, right? So that's, God said, that's fine. God had also told me, you're going to move house. Okay, that's fine. I'll move house. So I'm moving house for his kingdom. I'm going to have a baby, which is what I wanted. However, when we actually started trying for a baby, all of a sudden, now many of you, some of you don't know, some of you do know, Em and I have had, we've spoke about it publicly in church before, that our marriage went into quite a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a problem because of me and the things I did. Now, why did I do that? Because there were fears and there were things inside of me that when you press certain buttons and certain things happen, all those things come to the front. And I have to deal with those things. When God begins to try and speak to some of us, when he speaks to us, and then he tries to make it specific to you, it highlights things inside of you that have to be renewed, changed, and transformed. When I was, with, I was like, we're trying for a baby, we're trying for a baby, we're trying for a baby. And every month, this, this, this is exactly, I, I kid you not, this is, what was, this is what happened. So every month, we would try for, we're trying for a baby, and then M would start her ladies' cycle, which tells you that she's not pregnant, right? And then there was two things that happened. It was, it was, but, why? Because I was, my heart, which was pure that I wanted another child, because that was a God-given desire to want a baby. I believe children are a God-given desire. And, I, and I, so I had this God-given, this hole in my heart that says, God, I want another child. But what was it that caused me to do what I did around when, Joshua, when Jacob was born? I stressed about money. I earned more money than I did. So finance was an issue. My identity 
in being not the top earner and not being and having to be a certain successful man, that was an identity. Having to live, live up to the standards of other people, that was an issue. Having how how are we going to deal with childcare? That's an issue. When, when, this, this whole thing of I want it done in a certain way and in a certain time period that fits in my, my magical family's, my family, my family's plan, that was an issue. And if, I, if this baby were actually on the way, I would have to confront those issues. So I didn't want to confront those issues, but I wanted a baby. How many of us go, I want to serve God, but I don't want to confront these issues because these are the things that will keep me from serving God. Because I don't want to let go in case God says, well, I want you to do this over here. Oh, I don't want to do that. And we fight it. And we fight it and we fight it. And there's a scripture here that I felt was, was interesting. It says, so in Ezekiel 3, 2 to 3, he says this. He says, so I opened my mouth. And he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving to you and fill your stomach with it. And let me tell you what happened. So imagine we're all at a banqueting table. Something I've realised in church. God gives us the scroll. So I'm holding the scroll, right? I can see the scroll. It hasn't gone in my mouth. Mouth might be open, but I haven't given, I've got the scroll in my hand. Here's the word that God's given me. The one thing I find out, I, re- I realise, is when you're all set at the table, the one thing that comes out is there are a lot of prophetic dogs that happen. You think, what are you on about? Prophetic dogs. There's a lot of apostolic dogs that get born in the spirit. You know why? Because you're at the table. What do you do when you don't want your food? Yeah, boy, come on. Take it, take it. So the scroll's there. I don't want to eat the scroll because once it goes in my mouth, that's it. It's too late to turn back then. Once I've eaten it, you know, when you eat something, that's it. If you eat a chili, you're going to have to deal with the consequences. Whatever you eat, you've got to deal with the consequences, right? Now, you might not want to, but that's it. When you make that choice to eat something, that's it. You've eaten it. When we, when we eat the scroll... When we eat the scroll, it conceives, it's been conceived in our spirit. And once it's been conceived in our spirit, it takes a life of its own. And we can't say we don't know it. We can't say we haven't felt it. We can't say we haven't heard it. We can't say that it's not in us because it's in us. And once it's in us, we have to deal with it. And we have to deal with whatever the Holy Ghost says you now have to deal with. You have to face whatever the Holy Ghost now says you need to face. Because we've gone beyond the point of return. And many of us don't ever want to get to that point because we're afraid. We're so scared. And I was scared. That's one of the reasons why I didn't move house for years. I tell you what I'll do. Before we sort, we'll just get the decorating done. And we'll just put this in the place there. And we'll just do that there. And for three years, we said we're going to put the house on the market when God said to move. Three years we were saying, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. But we'll just sort things out. We'll just sort that out. We'll just sort this out. We'll just sort that out. And another issue why we don't eat the scroll, and I'm going through this right now. Right now, this year has been the most difficult year for trying to balance life and church and ministry and everything else. Because I've got a baby that was born in difficulty and still is in difficulty. And I've got a wife who's got two jobs and I've got a job. And we've also got a 14-year-old son who needs us in different ways. And then you've still got the things that you do. When we had Jacob, I wasn't an elder. Now I'm an elder. There are certain responsibilities you cannot shirk. 
But what you do, and what Emma's found, one of the things that she's found, and she might, she won't mind me talking about it, it's fine. Take an assumption there. Is that, I, how can I serve God when all of this takes over? So what we do is we say this, I can't, I want to do that, God, but I can't because I haven't yet got the capacity to serve you. And what we do is we then spend our time asking God for the solution to our problems so that we can then go and serve God rather than saying, God, I am making the decision to come and serve you and I'm going to put my faith and I demand on you to sort the solution out en route. We spend, seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will get, will get asked. But we get so bogged down with what's, what's going on around us, we go, I'll fix that first and then I'll serve God. And that's why a people movement doesn't go. Because we take the scroll, we see the scroll, we know the scroll is there, but we don't eat it. And we keep finding different reasons to stop eating the scroll. And then this happened, Josh, uh, Ezekiel three fifteen to 16. Before I say that, while Joshua's been poorly, he had an ear infection in both ears and a, and a throat infection. It's one of the things he had. So, is at an age where the best way to feed him medication is through a syringe. You know, so you get in like that. Now, he was on antibiotics. Now, how many of you all know antibiotics are good for you? In the sense of that their job is to kill what is infected, what is wrong with you, yeah? We know they can be quite strong, and it is strong, isn't it? And it affects you in lots of different ways. There can be side effects. There can be lots of different things. And there are people far more smarter than me that can tell you all the different chemicals. Now, I don't know about you. I, I might read on what are the side effects, i.e. what not to do because I don't want to die. But generally, I don't go through all the, I don't know what the hypercloxomylamine is. I don't know all, all that means. Someone's created it. I'm sure it does something good. But the doctor gives it to you and you trust the doctor's not going to try and kill you, right? So you trust the doctor's going to give you something to take. But now, now what did Joshua do? I'm like going, Joshua, this is going to make you better. And he's like, this is going to make you better. And then it was, and then he's crying and he's crying and he's crying. And he's like, I don't want it, I don't want it. And he hasn't got words to express why he doesn't want it. He just doesn't want it. And so, and here's the thing. So you, so then you put it in his mouth and in his absolute desire not to swallow, he starts choking. He's gurgling it. He's like, I'm going to do everything I can. I ain't swallowing it. I don't care. You can force my mouth open. Mum can be like this. I'm like this. You've got me like this. But I'm not opening my mouth. Nope, nope, nope. You're putting your mouth. I'm not swallowing it. And he's there choking. He's choking because he doesn't want, because it, it hurts. It hurts when it goes down his throat because he had a throat infection and an ear infection and everything hurts. And he was hot and he was bothered. The circumstance of his infection had caused him to want to reject all of those things. But the one thing that he needed was the one thing he was resisting. In us, God is bringing his word to the house in order that as you take what God is saying to us, as you bring what God is saying into your body, 
it refines, it realigns, and it heals the things that you don't want touching. We fight it, and we gargle it, and we're like babies. And God's going, look, I'm giving it in a syringe. It's, I've even put sugar in it. If, if, if you've been a baby, Calpol's cool, because it's just sugar with paracetamol. That's all it is. It's just sugar and paracetamol. It tastes brilliant. Now, after, after a little while... After two or three goes and Joshua realised that it wasn't trying to kill him, this yellow stuff wasn't trying to kill him, it was actually banana flavoured and it was pretty nice. So as the days went on, it got easier to give him the medicine. And hey presto, he was better. But in us, we fight it and we fight it and we fight it and God's like, it's going to heal you in ways you have no idea. But it's only when you allow my word to enter into you that it can start doing its work. But we're so afraid. And Ezekiel, after all these things that that have been said to Ezekiel, this is what he said in Ezekiel 3.15 and 16. So it came came through this. I'm going to read the scriptures here. I'm going to just so you've got some context of it. So I'm going to go from Ezekiel 2, no, 3... um, I'll just read from Ezekiel 3 and we'll go to about verse, well, it's all the way down to verse 15, but I won't read all 15 verses. But it just says this, then he said to me, son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said to me, son of man, go now to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and difficult language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many peoples of obscure speech and difficult language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hardened and obstinate. But I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious house. We cannot be afraid of what, of what we're, where God is going to send us to. But, and he said to me, son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Right. So now he took it to heart. And this is what happened. Say to them, so go now to your countrymen and in exile and speak to them and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or they fail. We'll come back to that in a minute. Then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me all the rumbling sound. There's all these things that were going on. But then it says this. The spirit then lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness and in the anger of my spirit with the strong hand of the Lord upon me. So the hand of the Lord was strongly upon him because he'd now taken to heart what had happened. He'd now eaten the scroll. He'd gone past that point, right? I came to the exiles who lived at Tel Abib near the Kibar River and there, where they were living, I sat among them for seven days overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Now, that's in my Bible. In other Bibles, it says, deeply distressed. When God begins to speak and and we take it to heart, he understands that it might take us a little bit to to, to get our heads around it. When God begins to, to begin to speak to you personally and begins to start to show you 
how you fit into this and what, you, what he is requiring of you in this season in order to take part in the kingdom mandate for this house and for your life. Even Ezekiel, who'd just been in the presence of God, who'd just been in the presence of God, seen some of the most incredible things that any man has ever seen ever, heard these incredible things, had the scroll, taken the scroll, eaten the scroll, all of these incredible things. Then God starts telling him the kind of people he's going to, the kind of mission he's going to, all the sorts of things are laid out. He then just goes to a whole, to, to a, he has to go and put himself somewhere and spend seven days on his face going, what on earth is that? I am overwhelmed. I am deeply distressed. God is not unaware of the difficulty that some of us face in dealing with the things that we haven't dealt with for many years. God is not unaware and unsympathetic to the fact that the word he speaks in season goes to the depths of our heart. And when we take it to the depths of our heart, it means that there are things found in the bottom of our heart that we might not know were there. And everything in Ezekiel, he was a priest, he was a man who heard God. There was all of these things. It didn't matter. When God's word comes and it cuts through you like that, before anything took place, before he did anything, he had to go and sort himself out. He had to go and have a moment. He had to go and just contemplate what God is saying. Now, I'm not, now some of us here go, you know what, I'm going to take that. I'll take five years sabbatical. I'll, I'll think about it for five years. But it's, it's, that, it's not that. It's the fact that God knows. God knows what he's asking of us. God knows what it's going to mean for you. God already knows before he said a word. But he's asking you, he's saying to you, it's okay. It's all right. Because then it says here, at the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me again. And he will keep on speaking. And he will keep on clarifying. And he will keep on singing over you. And he will keep on bringing you close. And he will keep on chasing you. He will keep on pursuing you. And he will keep on being who he has always been and who he always will be. But we have to get to the place where we take these words to heart. You know, I wanted to be a, a rock star. So you, you don't see all the sideburns and the, and, and the Oasis Beatles-style haircut, you know. This is just because I didn't get my haircut yesterday. But, but I wanted to be, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a musician. That's what I wanted to do. I, wanted, I was in a band at 16. I was in a band. We wrote our own songs. We were going to be the coolest Christian musicians you'd ever known. We were going to be rock stars, but then we'd be Christian rock stars. Right? So we were going to be a light in a dark place. Okay? We were going to be a light in a dark place. And I had become convinced that this was what I was going to do. We had become convinced that these were the opportunities, that this was God-given, that we were all Christians, we were all going to stay together. And what my skill that God had given me, the passion that God had given me, I would already assigned its purpose in my heart. Right? I'd already assigned what it was for. Until four years down the line, four years of us doing it, I've met my wife through it, so it's got to be God. 
God's, God's just got to be God. My wife's in the band. This is, this is so cool. This will stop me from like, you know, being a rock star and sleeping with all the girls because my wife's next to me. It was all set. In my mind, it was a done deal. Until the band called a meeting and then said, you need to leave. <laughs> I'm like, what? We've been praying. I didn't believe them. But we've been praying and God said, you need to leave. It's time to, to move on without you. And I'm like, you having a laugh? You having a laugh? What's this all about? Absolutely hit me to my core. Like, to my core core. Like, crying to my core core, right? I'm, I'm, I'm crying. And I was walking to the car, back to the car, because it was... Um, after I'd left the guys, because they, they tried to make me feel better by going out and seeing another one of our friends perform a gig. So he was performing a gig. So I went out and I was kind of like, yeah, 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 it's all cool, it's all cool, it's all cool. And I'm walking back to the car and I'm absolutely in bits. I'm absolutely in bits. And then God just says this to me. I didn't create you to be worshipped. I created you to worship me. Amen. Amen. What? <laughs> everything, everything that I had concluded and been so, so firm on in my mind and in my heart, God un undid in one moment. And I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed because I didn't know what it would mean. I knew that I, it could never be the same again. I knew then that everything was going to be different. I didn't know quite how, but I knew it was going to be different. And once I'd heard that word and I went, okay, there was no going back. Because once you've heard the word, you know you can't go back through the old door because you know you just walked through a new one. And when God brings his word and we receive it, then we've walked through a door that we can't go back through again. When we open the door, that's it. It locks on the inside and that's it. There's no going back through that door. And God is saying... So, so many of you this morning, you have had very, very firm ideas about how your life is supposed to go. About some of the things that he's given to you, some of the passions, some of the skills, some of, the, some of all of these different things that make you who you are. And God is saying, but when my word comes, it's going to transform those things. It's going to completely shatter in your mind what you thought you were meant to be doing. And you've got to be prepared for that. But it's okay. Because there's a process to get you from that point to the point where I am now. I can't ever... My mindset used to be that I wanted people to sing the songs I wrote. And I had the... You know, you've all seen kind of like the big rock stars on the stage and, and, and you know, they're singing the songs and they just put the mic away, the mic away and the whole 80,000 people are singing their song. You've seen it, haven't you, yeah? And that must be the greatest buzz in the world on that. For, for me, that's, that, that's what I wanted. I wanted to get to that place where they're singing my song back to me. This is so cool. This is amazing. <laughs> I like, and the floodlights are there and I'm just like, oh. it's so cool, Right? But yeah, my string vest, that's it, with, with me with me microphone that stops there, and yeah, that's it, with me tash. <laughs> I'm doing my queen impression. But no. But here's the thing, but now that thought frightens me. 
Because if I, if, I, if, I wor- if I lead worship and on the way out, and it was Matt Redman who said it, he said, if, if, I, if, I, if I've done a, a worship set and everyone walks at the door going, oh, didn't Matt Redman lead brilliantly? Don't you love them songs? He goes, I've already failed. Because his heart had been transformed and, and refined to exactly the purpose God gave it to him for. And he's working for the kingdom, not so that he can be built up, not so that he can be Matt Redmond, the great worship leader, but so that he writes songs that people touch heaven and heaven touches the earth. And God has given you so much so you can touch heaven and heaven can touch the earth. But it takes your heart to say, Lord, I'm going to eat the scroll that you're giving me today. I'm going to walk through the door that you've given me today that you're asking me to walk through. I am no longer going to be afraid of the things that I'm afraid of. I'm no longer, even though I know it's going to change and I don't know how it's going to change and I'm not going to be in control of it, the Lord is saying, this is the time when we all go together. Then he will transform every one of us, but he will speak to you. When, when, when When Ezekiel was at his lowest point, God gave him space. God will give you space and then when your heart is ready, he will speak to you again. Jesus said, there is so much more that I want to say to you now, but you can't bear it, everything I'm going to say. John 17, I think it is. There's so much more I want to say to you, but you've got to go through a process first before I can tell you on the other side. But for, for most of us this morning, it's getting us to the other side. It's, it's, it's being saying, you know what, God, I'm not going to be at your banqueting table trying to feed the dog the scroll that I'm supposed to be eating. We don't want prophetic dogs. We want prophetic people. Amen? And there's one scripture that I want to finish with. It's from Jonah. And when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh. Now, my, now your Bible, I've got, I, don't, I don't know what my Bible is, but it clearly is just different than everyone else's Bible. It's an older version of the NIV. But this is what it says, and I like, my version, I like this version better than the new version. It says this, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. No, verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What? Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. When God, that is a scary thought, church, that is a scary thought. That we can, by clinging on and only taking the word at an intellectual level, by clinging on and trying to be a rebellious Christian where we try to be in church, we try to be a Christian, but yet we never release our hearts to go where God is telling us to go. That we are are in church and we are around, yet we always try and fix the problems ourselves. That we are we never serve God because we are waiting for our life to be perfect. We are never looking to God for the solution so we can serve. We're looking for the God the solution of our problems before we serve. That when we are people who hear the word of God but are more afraid of dealing with the medicine, we don't want the medicine. Guys, the medicine is there to heal you. The word has come to heal you in ways you could not possibly imagine. The word is coming to redefine your entire life in a way that you didn't know before. Your will will have context in the presence of his kingdom mandate. 
And the grace is there to go and do it. So I want to encourage you this morning. Take these words I give you to heart. Son of man, listen carefully. Guys, listen carefully to what God is doing this morning. Listen carefully to what he's saying right now. Don't allow yourself to be dual-minded. Don't allow yourself to be rebellious. Don't allow yourself to be so overwhelmed that you don't want the medicine, that you refuse the medicine, that you don't want to walk through the door. Because your Christian life will never mean what it, need, what it can mean. The grace that, that, you, that, that is, is available to you will never come to you, will never be realized unless we get rid of these idols, we get rid of these issues, we get rid of these things and just take the scroll, eat the scroll and move forward with it. Let's stand up. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't like it, but yeah. Well, we got there. I believe when the Lord says, he says, I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. He said, son of man, listen carefully to all the words I speak. No matter what is ahead of you, God will make you tough enough to deal with anything. Anything that rejection doesn't matter. Rejection is not a rejection of you. Jesus says they'll reject you, but they rejected me first. When I send you out on assignment, it's not a personal thing against you. You're just doing what I'm asking you to do. God is asking for just obedience this morning. To take the scroll, to eat it, and don't be afraid of what will come. Because what will come, you will already be equipped to deal with. So this morning, let's just raise our hands. Just begin to take a hold of yourself right now. Just begin to say, Lord, is, you know, the presence that we had in worship hasn't gone away. It's still here. We're still at his banqueting table. We're still there. I want you to right now close your eyes and visualize the scroll is, right in, is in your hand. The scroll's in your hand. And I know most of you have got your mouths open, so your mouths are open. The scroll's in your hand, and right now you feel like you have control because it's in your hand, so I can either put it down... Or I can eat it. But some of you are going, I can't eat it because my life is too hectic right now. There's too many things going on. There are too many blockades in my life. I can't, I can't do what you want me to do, God. I haven't got the capacity. And he's saying, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to eat the scroll and take it to heart. And I will show you the capacity I have in you. I will show you what is possible through your life. God, God, the scroll doesn't fit with what I've known for so many years. He's saying, eat the scroll and I will redefine and renew your mind so you will see my perfect and pleasing will for your life. You're saying, God, I can't do this because I've got all these fears. He's saying, take the scroll, eat the scroll and I will reduce your fears to dust. I will reduce your fears to dust and let joy and strength and faith enter into your heart. So my God, right now, whatever it is, guys, begin to raise your hand and say, Father, I release these things to you right now. Lord, let me not be afraid. Lord, I recognize my weaknesses. I recognize these things that come and they draw me back. 
And God is not asking you to apologise for them. I really feel that. God is not asking you to apologise for your weaknesses. He knows you've got weaknesses. God is not asking you for, to apologise for the fact that you've not, you've not eaten the scroll yet. He's not asking for that. He's just asking, will you now be willing today? Today, will you be willing? Today, will you, will you be willing to eat the scroll? Today, will you be willing this church? That's all he's asking for. Be willing this morning. Be willing this morning. Holy Ghost, I pray right now. Come right now. Come. You don't have to come, but you always do. Father, come in your splendor right now. Begin to touch every heart right now. Begin to give a foretaste of every heart right now. Begin to realign every heart right now. Begin to let them see their lives in the context of your glory. Let them see the context of our lives in your presence. Let us see the context of your lives in the will of the nations, in the will of your kingdom. Let us see the strength that is inside of us. Let us see the strength that is on the other side. Let us see the victory that is before us. Let us see the path that has been laid for each one in this house. Father, speak to us right now. Speak to everyone. Come on, ask God. Lord, speak to me. Let this scroll make sense to me, Father. Let the scroll, as I eat it, let the scroll reveal your heart to me, Lord. Reveal your word afresh. Reveal your word afresh this morning. Reveal your word afresh, Lord. Let us not forfeit. Let us not forfeit the grace that could be ours. I want you to say, Lord, I take hold of the grace that's given to me this morning. Come begin to say it in your spirit. Lord, I choose to take hold of the grace. I will not forfeit the grace you've given me. I will not waste it. But Lord, I take hold of it right now. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I take hold of it and believe that it's sufficient for me. And believe that it's sufficient for me. Lord, renew our minds. Renew our minds this morning, Father. Let us see our lives in the context of your, of your will. Let us see ourselves as you see us. Let our jigsaw piece make sense. Colour in our jigsaw piece, Lord. Let us see it. Let us understand every curve. Let us understand every every oddness of the shape. Let us understand every part of it, O oh God. Lord, let us understand our lives in the context of your will. Give us confidence that every part of us fits in. Every part of us fits. Redefine, O oh God, how you see, how we see ourselves. That we have confidence to put our jigsaw piece in the puzzle. To take our place in the greatest adventure the world will ever see. Father, we thank you. We take to heart the words that you are speaking to us today. Lord, we take to heart the words that you are speaking to us today. And we thank you that you have come ahead of time. We thank you, Lord, that your mercy gives us space. Your mercy allows us to be overwhelmed. Your mercy knows and gives us room. But we thank you that your word comes again and again and again and again. Lord, let this house always be a place where your word can run free. Let this be a house where your word is never stifled. Let, this, let, it, be, let it never be said of this house that this is a rebellious people who hear the word, who know the word, but walk away from the word. But my God, let us be the ones who offer our living sacrifice freely as our true and proper act of worship. 
people ready, in readiness to receive everything you give us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 <laughs>